welcome to Love Alexi. My name is Alexi Wasser. I'm your host, and this is my podcast. And my guest today is filmmaker, musician, and activist Ariana Delawari. So here's the thing, uh, you guys. We go on a tangential journey, as per the usual on this here podcast. But I didn't come out with an episode last week, and I want to explain why because that's very unlike me. I was in a horrible car accident. It was fucking terrifying. Um, and I just want to talk about it a little bit right now because, um, yeah, it was interesting. I got in a car accident and on the, when I was being driven home by AAA and my car was being towed, I called Aristotle in tears because it was on a Tuesday. And I said, listen, I'm not going to be sending you the intro because I'm not putting out a podcast tomorrow. I was in a horrible car situation and, uh, and I wanted him to know how extremely serious it was. So here's what happened. I was on the 405 freeway where it meets the 90. Uh, and if any of you guys out there know what that means, um, it's like a very narrow part of the 405 freeway. And it's like a narrow neck of it where it's like two lanes, I think, maybe three lanes, but I think two lanes. And it's very, very high up. And uh, and beneath it is like another freeway. And I was driving and all of a sudden I started weaving and just kind of losing control. And I didn't realize it, but I blew a tire. My back tire blew out and I started weaving uncontrollably. And then I did six 360 degree donuts. And I was just, it was like slow motion. I was, I was just watching myself go around in circles, not knowing what to do and how to control the car or what to do. Do I press the brake? I had heard a rule of thumb where it's like, if you if you skid on ice, you're supposed to do a certain thing. You're supposed to turn into the whatever. I couldn't remember what the rule of thumb was when you lose control of your automobile. So I'm basically in slow motion in my head, in my right mind, just being like, okay, I'm spinning. I'm spinning. I don't know what to do. I don't know what's going to happen. I have no control of the situation. And all of a sudden I stop spinning and I start careening towards the guardrail and I am just moving towards the guardrail at the fastest pace possible. And I think, holy shit, I'm going to go over the guardrail and if and when I do, I will plummet to my death because I was so high up. You could, you could, you could stand on this freeway and jump to commit suicide if you wanted to. That's how high up it is. And then you would just get hit by a bunch of cars or whatever, or fall into traffic. So I thought, oh my God, when do I, when do I just start floating in midair? When is the pain going to hit me? Oh my fucking God. Is this how I'm going to die? Is this how I'm going to fucking die? Oh my fucking God. I can't believe this. This is crazy. Cause you know how we all know we're going to die right? It's just a question of when and how. And I could not believe it because on this Tuesday, last Tuesday, I was like, this is how I'm going to die? No fucking way. No fucking way. No fucking way. And I was like, oh my God, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. Please, 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 please. I don't want to die. I don't want to go out this way. I don't want to go out this way. And I even had a moment, I swear to fucking God, I was like, I didn't even get to make my movie. There's so many things I didn't get to say. I didn't get to fucking leave my mark. I didn't get to do what I wanted to do. I, I, I can't believe this. So I fucking bash into the guardrail and the back window in the SUV, I'm driving like an old fucked up Ford Explorer that I'm borrowing from my mom because I was picking something up and I've been borrowing her car. That glass 
smashes. It explodes. Glass everywhere. I don't even realize it because everything's slow motion in my brain. And then I ricochet off the guardrail back into the middle of the 405 and I land and I stop diagonal in the middle of the 405 and all these cars that that weren't there to begin with, it was a miracle that no cars were on the 405 when I was doing donuts. All of a sudden, all these cars out of nowhere at 70, 80 miles per hour start fucking racing towards me around the bend and I freak the fuck out and I jump out of my car because I think they're going to bash into my car now. I'm going to die like this now. So I jump out of my car, which I later heard is something you're not supposed to do, but my fucking, uh, all I could think to do was I got to get out of this car. I get out of the car uh, and I start waving down traffic and I'm like, help, help, stop. And all these fucking entitled, a lot of, a lot of entitled prick people who are in a hurry and mean were like, get out of the middle of the road. What are you doing? Why would you even stop? there and I was like what no help 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 and my like right leg was quivering it was gonna buckle my hands were shaking I I couldn't press stop on the Spotify that, that, that had been playing on my phone three cars pull over an older man pull, comes over and he goes listen you need to move your car out, out from the middle of the road and uh, I was way too scared to do that and I was quivering and I couldn't get back in my car I was terrified I didn't even think it would move he took my keys he moves my car to the side of the road he gets back in his car he goes and lives his life because he's got a life to live and uh this woman calls the police and then she you know she's kind of cranky and weird and that's neither here nor there but she calls the police for me and then she takes off this other guy who was walking up uh, out of his car, heading towards me just to help, just to help me. He didn't know who I was. He gets closer and he goes, Alexi? And I go, Ross? Turns out this is my friend Diana's husband, Ross, who had just happened to be passing by and stopped to help a person in distress. And that person was me. So he gets out, he stays with me, he calls AAA for me so they can tow my car, he waits with me while the CHP and the fire department and uh, the cops and the ambulance and whatever, and everybody shows up. The CHP says, you can't get AAA to tow you off the road here, you'll, you'll die waiting on the side of the 405, this is completely dangerous. So we caravan, somebody, uh, a firewoman gets into my car, drives my battered car off the freeway. I follow her with Ross. Uh, Ross is driving and we caravan off the freeway and Ross waits with me until AAA showed up. (sighs) Now that was a terrifying experience and like, yeah. And and the rest of that day I was like just inadvertently like crying and shaking and panicking. And I swear to fucking God, I just feel like I have guardian angels watching over me. I swear to God. And I've told this story many times since that happened. It's, it's been a week. It's only been a week. And, uh, but I can't believe I didn't die. I swear to fucking God, I can't believe I didn't die. And there have been so many moments. I had cancer when I was 22. I had a, my appendix ruptured in my, when I was 16 and I had to go to the hospital and get my stomach scraped. I tried to kill myself when I was 15. I swallowed a bunch of pills and I was in a coma for two weeks and I lived. And then this happened on the freeway the other day and I did not want to die. And I didn't. And I'm so lucky and I can't believe it. I just am so happy and thankful. And, I, and it's really weird because earlier in the day, for out of the blue, I was like listening to this thing on Spotify and it was like this weird, not even weird, not at all. I don't want to call it 
anything but wonderful. I was listening to this thing that my friend recommended I listen to on Spotify called a spirit rap. And it was like this album of like spiritual music. And there's this one track by this, and it's by this guy named Astarius. I was listening to this like very cool, like interesting, futuristic, spiritual, badass, kooky Spotify album by this dude named Astarius. And one of the tracks was like a protection invocation, like invoking a protection thing. And I was like, this is cool. And I was like burning Palo Santo and I was listening to this like protection seal rap thing that was like, just to like protect you and have people, you know, make sure you're looked after whatever your spirituality belief is. It doesn't matter. I'm just telling you what, what happened the morning of this accident. And, uh, yeah, so I happened to be listening to that in the morning and then I do feel as though I was crazy protected and I don't know, it was a very scary thing. And I don't expect anybody else to understand who hasn't been in a situation like that, or you didn't experience what I experienced, but it was fucking crazy. And I never not put out a podcast, so it must've been heavy. And, uh, my mom showed up later, you know, she just, I called her when I was waiting with the AAA guy and I didn't even really want to call her because I just, wanted to be by myself. I wanted to get home. I wanted to be alone. I didn't want to freak her out. I didn't want to have to worry about taking care of her feelings and calming her down, which sometimes happens with a parent. And I just didn't want to be stressed out by worrying about her reaction in any way, you know, but I called her anyway, just because it felt like the natural thing to do. And it felt, so I did it. And I said, listen, just be, I need you to be calm. I'm going to tell you something. This is what just happened. I'm on my way home. I'm going to text you when I'm home. I'm okay. I lived and I'm, let me text you and call you when I'm home. Um, but don't come over and I'll let you know when I'm ready for you to come over, but I just need to be alone. And my mom came over anyway. She came over immediately. So when I got home with the AAA guy, my mom showed up and I was horrible to her, you guys. I, and I, I can't explain it, but I can. And I wish I had been more graceful, but I, but I think sometimes, you know, they, they do say you, you're, you're your worst version of yourself or your most honest or your most whatever. You're, you're, you're the worst version of yourself with the people you're closest to because you can feel like you feel like you can let your guard down. And I guess I just acted hysterically with her because I couldn't be hysterical on the freeway because there was no time to be hysterical. I had to think quick and I had to take care of myself and I had to call the authorities and call for help and take care of that situation. And I also have a relationship with my mom where she stresses me out and I didn't want to be stressed out. And I didn't want to have to worry about her facial expressions and what they might mean to me or calming her down or making sure her feelings are tended to over my near death experience. And so, man, did I lose it on her and it wasn't cool, but it just happened. And I was like, I just went hysterical. I was like, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Just get in your car. I just like, and she snapped at me and she was like, why are you acting this way with me? Like, and I went, please don't make it about you. Just get in your car. Just please be quiet and just let me text you when I'm ready. I just need to be alone right now. I need to get the shit out of my car and go upstairs. Let me just be quiet for a moment. I need to be quiet for a moment. I just went through a lot and I just, I'm stressed out. and I just need you to just be away from me because I am stressed. And I told you I didn't want to see you. And then she was like, why are you being this way? And then Anyway, and then we got over it and I called and I apologized. And at one point, you know, she stopped 
snapping back at me when she didn't like my response and she got quiet and she got cool, cool, calm and collected. And I appreciated that. But then later she was, her feelings were hurt. And so I had to take care of her feelings later that night. But, uh, I'm just venting to you about what happened last week. It was a crazy, crazy, crazy day. And, uh, and I'm so excited that I get to, that I'm here and I'm able to introduce this lovely conversation that I had with my my good friend. I, I don't see her nearly enough, but when I do, it's magical. And when I text with her, it's always real and honest and the most beautiful exchange because we're both just feel feelings intensely. And Ariana is doing so much in the world to like just make it better and be thoughtful and kind and be creative and help and you know and she's just one of the deepest wonderful women that I know and I'm glad that I get to have this conversation and if you didn't know about her existence now you do so now we're even all lucky together to know her and we talk about uh her documentary called We Came Home about Afghanistan and we talk about the making of her double album Intelliki 1 and 2 We talk about her doing a TED Talk. We talk about love, dating, relationships, what the goal is, the importance of being a strong woman. We just, we talk about a lot of stuff and this is a very long intro and I'm trying not to apologize for it because I think you know and understand why I feel like I have a lot to say this week. And uh, I had a glass of rosé and I'm excited because I'm hosting an event tomorrow called Girls Night In. Another thing I'm so grateful to be alive for because I put together this event where you know, about 30, 35 girls are coming over. I found a private residence to host this event where we all get together and we talk and we hug and we share and we have fun and we laugh. And we're going to just, anyway, it's like a cool adult slumber party kind of vibe thing that I'm going to take part in and host tomorrow. And, uh, and so I had a glass of rosé before recording this intro to, uh, you know, to get ready for all the glasses of rosé. I'm probably going to drink with all my new fun girlfriends at girls night in tomorrow. So anyway, I just want to say another thing. If you like this podcast, subscribe on iTunes, rate the show, tell all your friends, tell anybody who will listen, leave a comment. Uh, This is a listener supported show. I do it for free. If you want to donate, you can always donate to Venmo at Alexi Wasser. You can fucking uh, send me emails that I would love to respond to and I will respond to. Send those emails to dearlovealexi at gmail.com. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Alexi Wasser. You can follow Ariana Delawari on Instagram and Twitter at Ariana Delawari, and all her information is in uh, the description of the show. And uh, other than that, I'm going to shut the fuck up so you can enjoy my conversation with activist, filmmaker, musician, and friend Ariana Delawari. Now entering Nerdist.com. objectify him immediately he hates it he doesn't like it let's not do it actually um i'm just like so revved up and like caffeinated where, where are you coming from we'll ease into this thing because i'm gonna i mean tell me everything yeah. well i live in mount washington and i i'm coming from 
reading a gardening book. Really? You got, I'm serious. Are you super mellow right now? Yeah, I start. I've never gardened like all my life. I've never <laughs> in my life gardened. And a month ago, I planted an herb garden. You did, and it grew five times its size. Oh in my god! Not even. I mean, I, I planted it March thirty first. Yeah. Oh, where are we now? April. Not even. Oh my god! Well, I, I can't mean, do the math that quick. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I just like, just to put it in perspective. Is that like, my phone? Oh, that's my phone. Wait, I'm when did survive. everybody change their text beep to the same one? I thought I changed it to be like, I'm going to, like, it's going to be a different than the beep thing or whatever. And now everybody's got the same ding. I mean, I don't can't know. Can't do it. I can't do it. It's, it's keep, really keep, a lot. Keep telling me about gardening. It's I really overwhelming. I can't do this. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, the plants were maybe five inches tall. Yeah. On March 31st, like one month ago. Now you can't even escape your house because you're like, I can't see. I can't get through. You mean Dude, like a weed whacker. They're like, three oh. and a half feet tall. Oh, my God. I mean, so I became kind of a little bit obsessed where I'm like, you know, I don't know. It's really funny. But I, I was in Goa at this at the International Film Festival of India like a couple years ago. Yeah. And there was a palm reader at our hotel who actually is an economics professor but he reads palms as a hobby like for the last 30 years like he's really serious about it i want to date that guy no he's amazing okay. this guy sounds cool yeah i know don't you know he's yeah. rad so he was like he did an hour and a half reading like almost for free just because that's how obsessed he is with it but he looked at me and he was like you know this is at a point alexi where i know you can relate where you're an independent artist and you've been running at like i don't know not 10 but like maybe like 100 yeah for like years and you're like constantly non-stop at that time I was traveling a lot and I was just like wearing a, like too many hats yeah and he looked at me and he's like you need a hobby you need a hobby and I'm like oh maybe I'll start painting he's like no 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 you need a hobby that is not art oh my god and it will it will make you so happy and I I was like whatever and I ignored it and then the second I started gardening I was like oh my god this is it this is the hobby yeah that I've been missing Anyway, that's my story. No, I love that. That's so great because it's like meditative. It's really nice. Yeah, it's so great. That's how I feel about, I feel about walking. If I can like get in like an hour walk a day, it's I'm the happiest person in the world. Like listening to another person's podcast or music and just like walking, I feel connected. I feel like I feel like I could be like the poorest person in the world. Have not, if I'm just like walking, I'm just like connected to the planet and other people and everything's great i don't know yeah and it's not like a hike to work out oh or- <laughs> yeah which i should do though oh yeah oh, we- <laughs> which is like no i mean which is which is yeah. like what we do right we're yeah, like so we have I'm a goal gonna- we have yeah. a goal yeah as opposed Everything. to just meandering and like yeah. and just like being yeah totally. yeah well i think we said it all and uh, this is the best podcast i've ever done <laughs> <laughs> um holy shit i highly recommend gardening especially in post trump uh everyone's like craziness it, it's like the most healing thing exclusive a gardening exclusive <laughs> anyway um okay where do i start i want to go all over the place with you because uh, and by the yeah, way yeah. i'm just gonna put this out there as you wipe the crust out of your eyeballs <laughs> you're all like oh man, this is, this is like <laughs> no i have allergies i do too my nose is always running do you want one of these no i'm offering no. your tissue you guys I'm okay i can't see um i'm constantly like my nose is dripping. I don't mean to be yeah, so I know, sexy. I mean, my eyes are like tearing all oh, day. Oh, they are? Like, not right now, but they have been like, yeah. Um, well, 
Where do we begin? Okay, so this is what I want to know. Okay. Because I've been wanting you to be in here for a really long time. Okay. And it's so embarrassing. I hate, I mean, I don't want to say hate. It's such an intense word. I, it's such a vulnerable, embarrassing thing sometimes to like ask people to be on your podcast. So I feel like Aww. I'm constantly always just like, hey, what's up, guys? Um, <laughs> will you be on the show? I really want to talk to you. And like, you're one of these people I've been like, Aww. wanting on here because you are such a fucking badass when you're not gardening all the time. I'm just kidding. When you're not gardening <laughs> and just being in your garden, um, you are doing so many incredible things. So let me frame this for the people who are listening. Okay. Also, am I pronouncing? I have this terrible fear because my last two guests like had, had uh, I think I like maybe said their name wrong because I only knew them from Instagram. So I never heard their name aloud and their names were spelled one way, but pronounced completely the other way. So now I'm terrified with every guest. So if you just tell me how to pronounce your name so I don't fuck it up your full name. Okay. I, I know what your name is. So just tell me okay. right now. Ariana Delawari. Isn't that exactly what I said? Aristotle? Yes, exactly. But I'm doing this because I'm panic stricken. <laughs> got trauma. Okay. That's okay. So let's say you're at a party and some yeah. guy is probably trying to hit on you or whatever, uh, or somebody comes over to you and they go, oh my God. It's so good to meet you. So what do you do? Because you do wear so many hats, how do you, in a soundbite, like frame what you do and what your life's all about, like your job, your career? Because you do so many things. Filmmaker, yeah. activist, musician, direct, like, so you tell me. I mean, I just say that I'm an artist and an activist because I feel like artist is, you know, I'm a, a filmmaker and a musician sometimes. And I mean, last year was acting. I don't know, like all this stuff that I do that is art but um i say artist and activist because but really at this point alexi it's also intertwined that it's one so my art is activism and sometimes my activism is art like if i'm you know i in the the things that i'm starting to be invited to to do and have been in the last several, several years are really crossing over and now it's just crazy because this work i mean i've been doing I mean, I've been an activist since 9-11 because I'm Afghan and I started traveling to Afghanistan and documenting Afghanistan, making art about Afghanistan. It wasn't like, I'm going to be an activist. Yeah, it was like, I'm are. an artist. I'm documenting this country. Oh, my God. Things have to change. What can I do? And then it was like getting asked to do a TED Talk and getting asked to do, you know, um, those things came as a result of all that I was doing. They weren't like I wasn't trying to create that. It just happened. Um so it's much like what's happening here. Like for me, that that catalyst was really 9-11, um, even though my whole life was like my father was an activist and in ways my mom's an activist and my whole life paralleled a war in Afghanistan. So I knew like politically I was involved like in the womb, you know, like yeah. um, tell me about that. I don't know anything about that. Or your family, oh, or you your don't? parents. I don't. I, know oh nothing. My God. I think we have a mutual friend. <laughs> Dallas was telling me a little bit like oh, years yeah. ago, but I was I don't know. I didn't. You tell me. Well, my so my parents met in Afghanistan in the 60s. My mom is half Afghan and half Sicilian, but she grew up in New Jersey. Um, my dad grew up in Kabul, and my mom went back when she was like 22 to work for the USAID in Kabul and kind of like connect with her roots. What's and that? What's USAID? USAID is like... Oh, USAID. Um, yeah, Got it. Okay, yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> She's, she always says AID, but it's it's we would call it USAID. Um so, you know, they met in in Kabul in the 60s and and she was living there for a few years and then 
They were just best friends. She left. He was devastated. He went to study economics in London. She went. She was going on a trip to Europe. And when they reunited, they were madly in love. This is so sexy. I love this. I no, can't, it's I can't, great. I can't wait to take this back to our love lives and see where we're at there. But anyway, go on. Yes, yes. <laughs> so they were like madly in love in Paris. Like, you know, my mom was visiting. And <sighs> so she just went to London and they got married and she stayed there while I finished school. And then. They came here and they started their lives in in like suburban La Cunada. Like, ooh, yeah. Um, you know, my dad was a banker. My mom had like a toy shop. Like, you know, just very. My sisters were in like ballet classes. It was just like as very, very you know suburban LA lifestyle. Toy store. How great when you're a I kid. Know. Did you steal toys? Well, I, that was before I was born. But oh, you know, oh, forget it. <laughs> Useless. God damn it. What good is a toy store if well, you're not even born yet? No, it was better when I was little. She was. She worked. She was an executive at Warner Brothers. So oh. I, I got like the the movies. I got the posters. I got the stuffed animals. Oh my god! How do you go from Toy Story? Okay, whatever. You okay, keep taking me on the journey. So anyway, um, so my parents, they had this like you know they were building whatever, and the Soviets invaded Afghanistan, and my dad's whole cause became his country, and you know he was helping so many refugee families including our relatives um come over and yeah. assimilate and he was trying to hold you know he was he was holding peace protests against the soviets here and meeting with congressmen and flying to meet the king in exile in rome i mean this was my childhood i mean all the time oh my god yeah. um and i was born into that with like all these refugees in our home while they were still trying to get on their feet and there were like Afghan parties every weekend and live music and activism and like, you know, I mean, this was my whole childhood um, juxtaposed with being in La Cunada, which is a very conservative. Oh, like, my goodness. Yeah. yeah um, so it was really interesting. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I was a cheerleader. You, you know? were? Yeah. Like, I mean, this is. But you I was. A cheerleader. I know. I know this it's really crazy. Funny. <laughs> I know. I'm so not a cheerleader. It's just funny. But I mean. No disrespect to cheerleaders. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You're allowed to exist. Yeah, yeah. You're great. Do your great. thing. Just live great. your life. Okay, sorry. You know? <laughs> um, but I, I mean, it's just funny. It's kind of funny, right? Yeah. Like, so anyway, I ended up in film school and, and then 9-11 happened. And what <clears> film school? <throat> You're at Tisch or something? I went or? to USC. You went to USC? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then it was like when 9-11 happened, you know, we just knew it was like our lives would change. That was it. I mean, that year my, my parents moved back to Afghanistan to help rebuild the country and I started documenting it in photos and film and um and then I made an album there like several years after going back and forth and um with these classical musicians like in their 80s and a few of my American bandmates and we documented that and I thought that that was I thought it was like they were begging me to make a documentary my parents were everyone was like you're a filmmaker make a documentary about yeah. Afghanistan and I was like super sensitive about it because I, I felt like I'm not sure what it is yet, and I'm really absorbed. This might, you know, this is only a few years of me really connecting in the country. I don't feel ready to make a film about anything yet. And then when we were making the album, my friend um, Emily Lynch, David Lynch's wife, was like, I think I should be with you documenting the making of your album. How did that happen? How did she come into your life? And I met, what was that about? You know, we were actually working together we were working at the Standard downtown together. This is crazy. What? Wait. Yeah. What were you doing at the Standard? I was like, 
I was waiting tables and I wasn't sure know, if you were the... acting and waiting tables. I wasn't even making I wasn't even really making music yet or directing it or anything. I was just I thought you remember how they had the people in the No, no. I bet I did that once in college. Like I you have done did? that. I did wait, it one time. Wait, you were the person one in the, in time. The, wait, one I gotta time. explain to the listeners because I don't know that you were the because yeah. at the standard, for those of you listening who don't know what we're talking about, there's a at the reception desk at the standard in Los Angeles on Sunset, right? Yeah. There is a, like an aquarium type thing, a glass <laughs> box, and somebody, like a model or somebody sits in this glass box so people can yeah. look at them. It's kind of interesting. There's usually hot, hot babes in there. You I did, did it this? one time. Yes, I did. I would do that one. I would do that you too know, one time. That'd like, be fun. Well, you know, you're be, you when, when you're, I don't know, it wasn't that much, but you know, when you're, when you're acting in LA, you're, yeah, you're yeah. doing whatever part-time, you know, like yeah. your waiting tables, your. I would call it an acting job. You're like, put me in a box. It was like <laughs> okay. an act, that's what it felt I'm like. i play the part of the person in the box. Yeah, totally. I mean, it felt like that, but and it's in Sex in the City too. There's that scene. Is it Remember? really? Yeah, there's a scene where they oh. Samantha they all come to Los Angeles and they say the oh standard, God. and they're like, "Who's so in that?" Funny. So it's like a real funny, uh, you know, pop culture highlight. But go on, uh, it's so funny. So, so you're um, there, and she's working there too. So we were, well, but we were at downtown. Oh, so okay. you're at the downtown, yeah, standard, and sh- and she, yeah. she wasn't David. And she wasn't married to David Lynch yet. Not or yet she no, and and we met, and Emily just was. We just had such a connection. Actually, Emily had read read a book about. Um, she had read the Kite Runner, and the Kite Runner is is uh, by Khaled Hosseini is about Afghanistan. But there's a you know a part of the book that takes place in Fremont, which is like Northern California near Berkeley or near uh, San Francisco. And Emily grew up there. And it's like they call it little Afghanistan because there's so many Afghans. And so is she Afghan? No, but she was fascinated after reading this book and started talking to me about Afghanistan. She was fascinated with Afghanistan. And then when I said I was going to record this album, she was like, Okay, Ariana, I think – and she had also introduced me to one of my bandmates at the time. And she's like, Ariana, I think that I should come with you and document it. That sounds fun. And she's like, but I'm not a filmmaker. I'm like, well, I'm a filmmaker. So if you come, we'll make it together. Yeah. So she came and we you know, we, we document the making of the album. We come back and and I, I'm like, oh, by the way, like we're like – we have tons of footage. I mean crazy. And by the way, the making of the album is insane because <gasps> everything went wrong that you could imagine. Like. Oh, wow. You know, there was like barely any electricity, like just everything. And we we did it. It was crazy. It was a crazy, crazy thing to do. So you just went there to make an album and document the making of the album over there. Yeah. So it's not even a documentary about like Afghanistan. Well, at that point, at that point, that's what I thought. Okay. This is fascinating. And then I came back and I was like, Emily, oh, by the way, I have five years of footage and photos of Afghanistan. And um, here, I'm just going to give you you know, some of these tapes and she starts watching these interviews of my parents. Cause I was going to make a separate, uh, I was going to write a screenplay about their love story oh. and she's fascinated and is like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. This is film is not just your album. This is your whole family story. Yeah. And so then it was like, Oh my God. And and then my sister came on board as another producer. My sister Yasmin. And does she live here in Los Angeles? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Great. You're so, you just have one sister. I have two sisters, two sisters. Where does the other sister live? She lives. Well, one lives, Yasmin lives in like the, the Valley and Soraya lives in La Cunada. So, uh, well, that's so great. So it's so nice to, I'm an only child. So I'm I just so like, lucky. And one time I, I ran into you at a hike on a hike one time and you were with your sister, I think. Oh yeah. A while back. And I remember we were being like, working on the film. Oh really? I love that. Yeah. I'm not saying what hike. Cause that's our personal private hike how dare yeah. you guys out there try to find out where we hike it jerks get out of here anyway okay so 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 yes me and emily were the producers of the doc together and and i was directing and and we i started scouring like my dad had 
boxes of VHS tapes of news footage about Afghanistan that literally the whole through the entire 80s, he would have blank VHS tapes by the machine and he would press record anytime there was news about Afghanistan. So my dad had the best log of all of the Afghan news footage just waiting for me. And so we went through all of that. Um, I went through all the old Super 8 footage of my parents back in like the 60s. Um, You know, footage from my childhood. Um, Like dancing to Madonna. I mean, crazy. All this pop culture stuff. Yeah. And and, And then it was like finding you know it was like imagine having a hundred hours of footage and you had to frame it like and was the framing of it like you're going there to do the album and then man it was like and then my friend um rachel fleischer was one of the associate producers and also um she was story consulting with us too because she's a documentary filmmaker and then um uh, Farrah, our, our, my friend Farah. Um, Stop bragging about was, all your friends. I have friends too, you know. I'm just uh, kidding. I'm just teasing. I'm you're totally, my friend. I know. We're friends. I know. Totally. I'm just. Uh, <laughs> I'm my, totally my friend, I know. I'm calling. But they are my friends. Yeah. Like, they, You've got these they, amazing women. In oh your yeah, life I got a lot incredible. of incredible. No, I love <laughs> a lot them. of women too. That's so important. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So so Farah was editing, and and basically like Rachel, Emily, Yasmin, and I, and Farah sat in Farah's apartment <laughs> in her editing suite, and. We would storyboard. So we would storyboard what we thought the story was, and Farah would cut to that. Well, first she cut these, like, six-hour long oh – like, I made God. an outline, and she made six-hour long chunks of sections, and then I would go in and make selects. Oh, my God. And mind you, I'm assistant editing her because we can't afford an assistant edit- editor. Yeah. So I'm assistant editing for her. So this was, like, a, a about a year of work of just getting to a rough cut. And so I was, like – we would we would be, like – okay, we storyboarded it and she cut it and be like, ah, that's not working. And then there was like parts of it, you know, that weren't fitting. And finally we had, (laughs) we had like a two and a half, we had like a two and a half, three hour cut. That's something. That's getting it shorter. That's great. But but what I'm going to say, okay, so so we had like a three hour cut and we showed it to David Lynch because, you know, Emily was like, well, he'll watch it. That's Fucking awesome! I just read his book that he read on uh, the Audible version of him reading the oh yeah the, the catching the big fish. Or yes, the, so yeah, so yeah. what? So you played so, for him? Okay, so it was so funny. So I, I mean, first of all, you know, obviously because Emily, like that, that you know, we're we're already all working like talking about this stuff all the time with him. But I had worked with him originally on music because he produced one of my songs and. He put out my first record, the the record about Afghanistan. Wait a minute, let me just figure this out. For me, it's like learning this, hearing the story. Like let's pretend oh, we're let's okay. say we're at, like at a cafe, and you're telling oh, me yeah, this. Yeah. That's pretty much what this is. Okay, so you met Emily separately at. I met Emily, Emily se- at at yeah the, at the Standard Hotel. She hadn't even in your your affiliation with David Lynch had nothing to do. With her, right? Okay. Did well, you match make? I'm no, just no, like, no, no, you no, like no, you guys no. already working together. You had your own separate okay. relationship. Well, okay, yes and no. So I actually met David years before that, before Emily. I met before him, he met her too, right? Um, but yes, okay. I met him years before coincidentally through my friend Jason, who was like working for him. Um, but that was just one time meeting, and it, and it never. It, it just I just had a weird premonition that I was going to know him, but I didn't. It that was it. Then years later, when I met Emily, she was like, she brought him to my very first show ever. 
That's so random. Before she and I were even close, she brought him to my very first show ever, and he came in, and oh then God. he said, I want to produce her music. Oh, my God. How funny. It was crazy, and I didn't believe it. So I was like, I went on, went to Afghanistan, made this album. Emily came, recorded the whole thing, and we're done. And I'm I'm in the studio finishing the album in L.A. with a lot of different people working on it. And I go to dinner at their house, and she's like, oh, David has something to say to you. I'm like, what? And he's like, I should have been producing your album. And I was like, I didn't believe when you said that. He's like, what do you mean I didn't believe you didn't believe me? You should have been banging on the door. And I was like, I didn't know. And And I'm like, well, why don't we do one song? And he's like, that's a great idea. Make it a great song. I'm like, okay. Yeah. So we worked on a song, and then he was like, I want to put your album out on my label. And oh. So it, that was this whole – so that was already happening creatively between – you know. But, but imagine, like, it's one thing to work with him on music. It's another thing to show your film because that's what he – that's his – you know, he makes music too. But, I mean, film is his – he's a master. So, so we're sitting in his screening room, oh and I'm sitting, like, four chairs ahead of him. And I'm like, oh, my God, I, I can't believe we're showing David. I think it was three and a half hours. Oh, my God. I can't believe. Ah! I can't believe I'm doing this. And I'm just sinking in my chair. <laughs> and then it it finishes and I look back and he's crying. <gasps> oh, my God. Because he was so moved. And he was like, "It's there's a lot of great stuff. You got to cut out 80% of it. Yeah. <laughs> But don't cut the wrong stuff out. I'm like, okay. Okay. He's like, don't cut the wrong stuff. I'm like, all right. And that was like the basic big note. So anyway. How do you hurry? How are you to know what the wrong stuff was? Did he sit with you? He said, he said. stay with you? No, he said this. He said, when you, when you make your cuts, this is great. This is something so great that I'm so glad he taught us. and, and, And I share with everyone who's making films out there. He's like, when you make these cuts, you have to show them to some people. And you have to sit in the back of the room, and any time it feels too long and feels weird, you know that's what you have to cut. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that the greatest advice? Yeah. So anyway, th- it was this beautiful journey, and then we, f- we, you know, we made this film after, like, I mean, I can't even tell you how many audiences I assembled and tested it on, and then it did the festival circuit. And What festivals? Know, what? Oh man, so many! Like, when was this? What year was this? Oh man, like I mean, this was this started in this was like from two thousand and like twelve to fourteen was all the festivals, but it was like, um, you know, we uh, AFI Fest was the U.S. premiere, um, Sao Paulo International. We won the jury award. Um, uh, you know, Al Jazeera Doc Fest, Ankara International, Cleveland. Um, AFI Docs, um, International Film Festival of India, Rhode Island. I mean, there was probably like 15 festivals and a few awards. It was just – it was a beautiful journey with it and um, um, it's, it's so, it was a beautiful journey. And then there was a few years of figuring out how to put it out and I finally last year handed it over to distributors. So that's great. But Why did it take so long to get it to distributors? And please tell everybody listening what the name of it is and where oh, they can find it. It's called We Came Home and um, you can't find it just yet. You will be able to find it soon. Um, you know, the universe has a timing of things. We had a few offers that I turned down that I didn't feel like were the right fit. And then my sister was like, we should just put it out independently. And then I I was like, I just want to take a break. I've been put, you know, I've invested so much of my life. It was like 10 years of my footage. And then yeah. like, 
you know, a few of those years of, of documenting and I had been traveling like nonstop, not only to festivals, but also being asked to do, you know, like I said, the TED Talk and Kabul or like... Tell me about that. What do you mean the TED Talk? I mean, my listeners are just oh, only getting to know you. They want to know the details. Well, like, what so it- making this film about Afghanistan, like all of a sudden, you know, I've been making all this art, whether it was the album or whatever. Um, and the film brought it all together. And so then they under, it's like all of a sudden everyone understood what I was, oh, wow, this is the larger story of what all these pieces are. And um, and it just any audience we showed it to were so moved by the film, and so it started. It got a lot of press, and then um, and then I just started getting emails about stuff. And I got an email from Afghanistan. They were like, "We want you to come. We're going to have the inaugural TEDx Cobble, and we want you to be a speaker and a performer." And I was like, "Okay." And um, the Voice Project, which I love them so much, um, uh, like. Hunter Heaney and Chris Holmes and Anna Gabriel, they're all like the voice project, but they, um, I'd gone to Uganda with them to, to just sort of help them interview these young, uh, soldiers that had returned from the LRA. It was like really heavy stuff, but beautiful. Now, they explain what the voice project is to people who don't know what it is. The, and... Sorry, I'm like, I'm jumping out. No, I know that's like, my jumping. job. I'm gonna make sure. Yeah. Okay. So the voice project is this awesome organization where originally they were, um, Basically, it was it was bringing funding to support Ugandans uh, who were using the radio and using messages of forgiveness and uh, peace to call home abducted child soldiers who were maybe abducted when they were like 13 and are now 19 and they're in Joseph Coney's army, but they are hearing from their their people back home like we forgive you it's okay come home and they were leaving like the un did a did a study and like 50 percent of the returnees left because of these messages of forgiveness oh fuck so it was really powerful and hunter had gone over there and met this choir of these older women that were singing these songs of forgiveness and he started the voice project with Anna Gabriel and um and and as I mentioned, like Chris Holmes was part of that as well and um some others and the way that they were getting traffic to the website to raise funding was by having different bands in LA cover each other. So it it was like, you know, um Harmar Superstar covering Julian Casablanca's or, you know, um we as the LA Lady, Ladies Choir, we were asked to cover a song and then I was like, hey, wait a minute, guys. Um, on your site, there's a choir of women in Uganda. Why don't we cover one of their songs? Oh, wow, yeah. And they were like, oh, my God, we love this idea. So we we learned it over Skype. And so I got super excited and kept talking to Hunter about it and was like, oh, my God, these women. And he, so he called me like a while after and was like, do you want to come with us to Uganda? Um, we need someone to do these interviews. And so I went with them. And I got to meet the women in person. Oh and my goodness. Um, it was actually really vital. I was like in the middle of editing my doc and I was kind of like at a hopeless moment about Afghanistan and then going to Uganda and these women just like who have been through so much like singing songs of celebration was like, oh my God, it like restored my hope. And then I realized like, okay, that's what's missing right now oh, in my hope. edit. Hope, yeah. Yeah, hope. it was deep. Yeah. So anyway. Um, TED Talk. TED Talk, The Voice Project um <laughs> sponsored my flight so they they flew me out because it's still tedx so it's still like you know people no. in afghanistan creating this thing 
And it was really rad. I mean, the current president of Afghanistan was one of the speakers that year. Oh and um, yeah. a lot of these young activists that I met that are incredible. Were and you nervous? Were you so scared? What did you talk about? How long was I mean, your talk? Here's like, the thing. I'm, like, I had been documenting Afghanistan for 10 years, but kind of low pro. Like, I mean, I was meeting a lot of little kids and a lot of elders and villagers, but I wasn't really connected to, like, the youth art movement yet. And then when I gave that TED talk and performed in Kabul, I had like this massive crowd of young, like rad artists that I didn't even know were there being so supportive and being so responsive. And I mean, I didn't know how they'd respond. And it was beautiful. And we all came together. And I realized like we, it was like these other bands that were sort of like rising from obscurity because, you know, Taliban banned music. And so banned all art so for many years it was like when did that happen through the 90s like from 95 till 2001 why did they do this i mean you're like i'm asking you to spoon feed information people who you know imagine people are listening have no idea about any of this yeah i mean to be to put it really simply like after the soviet invasion of afghanistan the most educated um and well-off afghans fled anyone who was able to left um, and the people that were left there were just trying to survive. I mean, farmers and, you know, anyone. I mean, this, you know, the civil society. I mean, all kinds of people. And um, there was a lawless land. You know, the, the king was exiled. Um, there was like no government. And then um, a civil, you know, that so the Soviets invaded. And then um, why did they invade? It's like a history lesson. You know, there for was the... a coup. Um, it's it's kind of complicated, but oh. one of the co- the cousin of the king, like there was a coup, and there were a lot of Soviet supporters in Afghanistan, and um, and so it was sort of like there were Afghans involved in that as well that helped this takeover, and um, so the king was exiled, and there was several years of this, um, you know, Soviet in- this Soviet invasion and occupation, and then. In about, I think it was 1987 or 88, that the so that the Afghans kicked the Soviets out and were very instrumental in winning the Cold War for the world. Um, at that point in time, the the country was pretty devastated, and there's no government, and there's nothing really holding it together, and a civil war broke out Yikes. between different. You know, it's a tribal land, so when you have like a a vacuum of power. Like, it's always dangerous because you don't know, you know, the, it's like lawless situation oh and God. all these tribal tribal people fighting each other. And in that, that at that point, by the 90s, um, you know, there was a movement in Pakistan called the Talib movement, which just means like student, you know. Or, but, um, you know, bin Laden had been ousted from Saudi Arabia for all, you know, some of his terrorist activities. He had, he, he kind of, there was like, this movement going on in Pakistan and some, some of the, you know, some interests within that country that were aligning with, with this sort of Al Qaeda, you know, um, jihad kind of mentality. And they created the Taliban and they, they enforced a government into Afghanistan, um, that was completely foreign, really. I mean, the, like the way that it was, this was never, Afghanistan was not like this before. I mean, my, my, my dad grew up with his sisters, you know, as teachers and, in you know, in, it could have been professors or in law or anything. I mean, my mom was, I have pictures of my mom in miniskirts in Kabul, like with, you know, at a costume party or, you know, there was no, I mean, that's, a, that's a funny thing because it sounds very like a Western perception where, you know, that's not the point, but the point is that women had freedom. Um, 
And so now we have, you know, now there's this regime that's like women have to be completely covered up. They can't leave the house. They have to board up their windows. Uh, you know, little girls can't go to school. Um, you know, they were men had to have beards. I mean, crazy strict codes. And the musicians that worked on my album, like they had to hide or dismantle their instruments or bury them in the ground or they'd be killed. It was literally. It's just arbitrary rules, just to control. Complete control. And when, what fascism. Year, what year did this start? And it I continues. I believe it, it was ninety five or ninety six. And, and it, it just continues to this day. To about two thousand one. Two thousand one. Okay. Yeah. And then when when um when the U S went into Afghanistan, you know, look, there's there's a lot of I don't believe in war or whatever, but there is the positive aspect of like this did stop the Taliban as a government and and you know and, and a new government. A lawyer jirga happened, and you know, that's a complicated thing. Anyway, there's like a new government in, in Afghanistan, and there's been two different administrations. Now there's a new one. Um, you know, it's it's so I've gotten to watch. I'm so incredibly lucky. First of all, I was born here. I could have been born there. Oh my god! I've gotten to watch a country be rebuilt. Um, I've gotten to watch generations come of age who I never thought I would see, like, the incredible, like, I can't even describe the youth over there. They're that profound. It's like they're... Tell me about that. Why? Well, six, you know, 68% of the country are under 25. 50% are under 15. It's oh, the wow. youngest country in the world. Really? Yeah. And so at a time, I remember it was, like, 2009, and I'd been going back and forth, and I'm making this documentary, and I had, like, a breakdown, like, a, like, full-on nervous breakdown in Kabul. I, like, got in a huge fight with my dad in a restaurant in front of all these diplomats, like, yelled at him, which is, what? like, you don't even yell at your elder in our culture at all, but I, let alone, I, like, <laughs> lost it, but it was really because I was so upset that the country had gotten worse, and I didn't know how to deal with all the feelings I was having, were you scared? Aren't you scared to be a woman when you're over there and, and to, to talk, talk to your father that way in front of people like <laughs> no. that somebody's going to you're going to get in trouble? No, I mean, I'm not scared of much. Like that. Oh, <laughs> shit. Oh, oh, like, oh, my God. I'm scared. I'm not that scared. <laughs> I'm so scared. <laughs> I mean, not, you know, but I guess you're going with him in a fight. Scared? And no, but um, concerned. Sad. Sad. Devastated. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, like, yeah. And I was like, I, I couldn't deal with how I was like, what are we going to do? How to get worse, whatever. And then I came back, finished the doc, get invited to do this TED talk, okay? And I get there, and there's a whole generation of young artists that have like come of age and are out. Like yeah. they're playing shows. They're, you know, I got invited to play this festival um, that year as well. The first time was the year before, but I couldn't go. So, you know, there was no live rock concerts since like, you know, the eight since like the seventies. Oh my goodness. And all of a sudden there's like a surge of like young, amazing Afghan artists and it's only been growing since then. So I don't know, it just to observe that, I can't even describe. I mean it's like a profound honor. I mean, look, there's there's a lot of issues in Afghanistan. There's major security issues. There's a lot of Taliban resurgence since then. Even um, it's gotten more dangerous. Simultaneously, there's way, way more like artists, businesses. Um, the media has been one of the biggest success stories in all of this time. The media in Afghanistan is awesome. Oh, really? 
Mm-hmm. And I and I'm I'm friends with a guy who basically um, his name is Saad Mosani. Like he basically started the the media backup in Afghanistan with this um, with Tolo TV, and and it's under the umbrella of Moby Group, which now he's like teamed up with Vice, and he's doing media throughout the Middle East and whatever. But Saad, um, what he did, it just you just you know when you have all these young people, and then and then you have like shows and something that basically I just feel like the way that we deal with things like terrorism is to fill that void with something better. So how do you, you know, instead of just like all this energy we spend on war or on trying to like, you know, fight, we should be spending that, that energy, uh, like creating really cool content and enticing like activity. That's way more fun, way more community based and supporting like young artists in these places where, like if imagine if you're like a 15 year old and someone's like, I'll give you a thousand dollars to like kill yourself. I mean, I'm serious. It's like that. Or or I'll give you money for your dowry because, you know, it's like old school tribal. If you kill these people, like whatever. Um, imagine if instead there's a whole empowered youth over there that already have their own stuff going on. We just empower them to continue. And then this teenagers go, wait a minute. I'm not going to do that. I don't want to do that. I yeah. want to go hang out with these kids over here. This this looks fun. So that's really what, you know, I went from like Afghanistan being my muse for my art to all of a sudden the activism began and I was like getting called into that and in collaboration with all these other young artists and activists. And So what, when was the last time you were there? Um, I was there this last May. This last May. And what is it? So they're still dowries men oh, buy man. women and uh, yeah. is that true well in not in not necessarily in you know like I, I i don't know in Kabul how true that is um but in the provinces and stuff what basically on my on my last trip i <laughs> my life is so well I, I was just sitting next to i got i was at this like meeting and somehow was sitting next to a woman whose whole profession her company is basically like specializes in terrorism and like these groups around the world and you know what you know the the ins the the deep ins and outs of all of it and wait what pro or or like solving getting rid of it or helping uh, just understanding it and and like providing that like being hired by whatever companies to the u.s military to god knows what else she gets hired by but um she's like collecting data and like having a deeper understanding of what's going on and um we were talking about it and and she started to talk about the dowry thing which i had never heard i didn't i mean I, that's probably common knowledge that i just personally didn't know but um you know just there's so we don't think about like in places where there's been war and devastation and there's you know not much ec- economically that 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 kids can do out in the middle of like a, you know a farm and you know in afghanistan there's so many widowed mothers and there's little boys trying to support their whole family i mean there's street kids who are like five years old selling selling you know shawls in the street till 11 o'clock at night i mean it's so different you can't even conceive of the the desperation that some of these kids are experiencing and survival so then you start to understand oh well of course it's easier for that kid to get indoctrinated or called into something else because they're desperate yeah and, you know, I think as it's it's something I try to explain to, 
it, it's so deep and there's so much to explain and I'm probably reducing it even in the way I'm talking to you right well, now. Well, it's helpful to, you know, you're distilling it in a beautiful way to okay, unpack so. it, to make it, make somebody <laughs> okay. who's like, you know, on their way to Urban Outfitters right now on Melrose or whatever, it, you know, who doesn't understand what it yeah. might be like elsewhere. Yeah. This is really helpful. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, so just even our, our, even, even if we think of poverty here, it doesn't nothing. Nothing. Yeah, nothing. It does not yeah. even compare. Not even compare. I mean, my first trip, I remember watching four-year-old little girls pumping water from wells out in the middle of of you know agricultural Afghanistan, trying to support get water for their family. You know, I mean, so in these kinds of situations where you have that, and you have all these widows that, you know, and 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 their kids are trying to support the family. I mean, and then with no education in many instances. Oh God, what is that even like over there? Well, like- I mean, it has actually, I, I, I don't want to paint the picture that there's not, I mean, there's, there's incredible, um, surge of, of schools. I mean, I was at, I think it was last year that I was giving a talk in Canada and there was this Afghan guy from Aga Khan foundation. And he, he stated this statistic that in 2001, when like right before the Taliban were kicked out, there were zero girls in school because of the Taliban. Now, suppose like at, a year ago, there were eight million girls in school. So that's like a statistic we don't necessarily hear in the news, but how incredible! Yeah. So things are changing rapidly. So it's this really, you know, basically what I'm what I would love to convey the most is like, it's the youngest country in the world. It can go one of two ways. Mm-hmm. Which way do we want it to go? And this is not just Afghanistan. Think about that whole region, like. There's so much youth and there's so many like brilliant, innovative, active, you know, politically savvy, just like hopeful, peaceful minds that are like, hey, we just want to be in peace and have like equality. This might be a really naive question, but I'm going to say it. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, I'm asking questions that my audience might be asking them, uh, themselves. Um, the phone situation and social media in Afghanistan, oh, yeah. is that... Huge. Do they have like you know are young teens or kids on Instagram in Afghanistan? Oh my god, so many. So it's like so you know it makes the world smaller and people are communicating and so they yeah. do have okay. And, yeah. and what's the dress code like now for women? Is it still very intense? And no, no, no. I mean, after the fall of the Taliban, um, women were not at least in Kabul. You go out in the provinces and you see much more conservative. Um, you know, it's very different to talk about Kabul and to talk about the rest of the country completely different and you know there's certain areas i was in mazar sharif uh this last may and that was very forward i mean in terms of i don't want to say you know forward or backward because it sounds kind of you know um what, like a judgmental or western or whatever but i just mean in terms of um what yeah, afghanistan was before um versus the taliban time um in mazar like there were so many women that were so that they were so stylish Maybe just, you know, their heads covered and, and relatively modestly dressed, not showing lots of skin or anything, but um, very stylish. And, and families were out. I went to this carnival. It was like 10 o'clock at night. And there was like all these young families like eating ice cream and going on roller coasters. And yeah. I was like, oh, my God, I was like in heaven that this exists. I'm like, I never thought I'd see this in Afghanistan in 2002. Like, This is so crazy. And you have this alternate life just here in California. And like, <laughs> what are you doing right now? Like, this, well, like what's your is movie making? Is it uh, la- an well, album? Last year, I, um, last year I released a short film. Like I, I made a double album 
called Intelliki, and I made a short film called Intelliki that goes goes with it, but also stands alone. So and you're doing every album has the has kind like a of, short so, film or a movie. So far, did David um, Lynch produce this? No, let, no, no. Let him produce a whole album, please. <laughs> Jesus Christ, my no, God, let the man live his dream <laughs> and fucking no. produce a whole album for I you. I mean, I hope I collaborate with David again someday. But I also he he when when I was making this one, he was like. I think you need to do this one on your own in your own way. I'm like, I know, I think you're right. And I was, I'm so glad he's, you know, I were, I mean, I hadn't asked him or God, thought, I love him. I hadn't assumed that that was, that we were going to work together, but I think it was very wise because as much as like, it's so incredible to work with these collaborators, you also, as an independent artist, you're like, I don't, I'm my own person. And so I want to have many collaborations and many, um, you know, many different influences and, I think it's important, but um. So you, you made an album. You said a year ago, or I, we, we, I released it last year, but it was what's it called? It's called IntelliKey. Where can we find it? It's on like you know iTunes, iTunes? and all of that. Um, IntelliKey, there's it's a double album. So IntelliKey one is um, my friend Butchie Fuego produced it, and it's very electronic and it's very kind of like electronic indie pop. Um, very That's what I was going to ask you. I'm very yeah, ethereal. Very ethereal. Very ethereal, and the subjects are a lot about love and and environmental stuff too, and stuff like that. Um, love and environmental stuff. Well, there's like stuff that I've seen, like in my just like with the planet, and also like you know, there's there's Butchie's rad because he's he's really futuristic, but also like he loves global um, influences, but like in a very forward way. So he was playing with different percussive like. Uh, beats and stuff like that from around the world so it kind of has like a playful thing in it um and then i did the same album the same 11 songs but just me and an afghan tabla virtuoso my friend salar nader and it's just the two of us um covering the same exact songs and that's in teleki too so it's like <sighs> me on guitar and piano and him on tabla and oh my goodness yeah so i i, I released that and i and i had directed a short film that goes with it that's like a sort of surreal docu-musical about global warming and about kind of what's happening on the planet and um and about dreams and so i released all of that and then so that was last year i also worked with jill soloway last year what did you do with her jill soloway um, for those of you who don't know you must be living under a rock she is the creator <laughs> of the show transparent and made that movie uh afternoon delight she wrote and directed and yeah. but yeah what did you guys do together how'd you come together well um i got called to meet with her because um she was she was about to create a new show called I Love Dick. Oh, I love that book. I read that book. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, um, you know, I was brought in. There was a storyline about a Middle Eastern band. And so they, they knew about my music. I went in and met with, with Jill and, and she wanted me to write this song specifically for the show. Oh, cool. And originally I was acting in it. Like I acted in it for a bunch of episodes. You but did? I did. Oh, my God. But uh, but our storyline ended up not making it. Like at first it was just going to be a song. And then they were like, oh, no, we were excited. We want to do all these things. And then when they got, you know, when they started editing it, it changed a lot again. But oh. the song is in the film. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, in the show. And um, it's in the episode called The Conceptual Fuck. Um, and, but your storyline, the acting stuff got, got it cut. got yeah God it did. Damn it. I know. It's okay. I mean, I was of course you're sad for a minute, but I'm also a filmmaker, and it I happens. Yeah, yeah. It was life. it was so it was just so wonderful to work with um, with this team, and also just like you know, I believe so much in what she's doing, and um, it was so fun. Yeah, where did they amazing. shoot that? 
Uh, here in LA. Here? Oh my yeah, God. Yeah. So I was doing that for a good well, three tell, months. Tell left. us what your storyline was. It got cut. It doesn't matter. Well, Just we were us. a band. We were a band in the, in, well, we were kind of. Did you of, have sex with Kevin Bacon? Is what no. we want to know. God damn it. <laughs> He's such a babe. Okay. But all I'll say is we were banned because I don't want to say anything else about the show since it's not out. But but, yeah. but it's really, I mean, it's so, so wonderful, the show. and They shoot it here. They shoot it here. It's just, um, maybe not all, no, not all here. They shot a bit. Um, Marfa? In Marfa. But, you know, the show is so innovative and revolutionary. And um, I really support women. Like, I grew up with a really strong mom and older sisters and because i'm afghan and because like women in my culture don't have a voice and so um that's a big part of my journey like whether it's here or there or anywhere like i it's really important to me because i've seen what happens to a culture when women don't have a voice so um so like i wholeheartedly was like okay i'm on board whatever you need you know yeah yeah um so it makes me really happy, you know, it just makes me so happy to see that. And I think, and we need that so desperately in storytelling. It does affect the whole planet. It affects the whole world um, because we need the feminine perspective. We need the the feminine voice and we don't even realize how much it's missing. Like we don't even, we're so accustomed to some of this stuff. Like we're, we grow up like thinking that it's normal some of the visuals and some of the 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 narratives that we just think are completely healthy and normal are so imbalanced. Yeah. We're so out of balance and um there's some amazing wonderful obviously I like I'm doing that apologetic thing that it's really annoying. No, uh, I but, do it too. Um, uh, but, you know, I have friend male friend filmmakers who I love so much and so you know obviously David Lynch is like one of my favorite artists of all time and who who's done so much for my life. So it's not about that, but it's just we need you know, we need to see women. We want to hear from women. It's so interesting because I, I mean, I don't usually talk about this on this thing, but, you know, I was texting you because you and I have this relationship where it's like, I don't see you all the time at all. But we have very when we text or we, we do a direct message exchange or whatever, it's so intimate. And it's, that's how I operate. <laughs> like, it's just like, this is what I'm feeling. And this is what I'm going through with this guy I'm dating. How are you? And then we like have this exchange, whatever. Um, but uh, I know that I was texting you. Oh, you saw my Instagram or something about a script oh, or yeah, whatever. You were writing. So I finished writing the script. I got it from like 130 pages to 98 pages, and I was like, "Yes!" And it's like, it's it's imperfect, but it doesn't. But whatever. It's like I'm really happy with it, and I sent it out to other writers and directors and, and just very close producer friends of mine, so they could give me notes on it. So I could before I before I send it out officially to uh, like my reps and producers, I want to get yeah. help it get attached to it. But it's so interesting because I'm internally as a woman, I'm like. Oh, it's not perfect, and it's like, oh, oh my yeah. god, and like, I don't know, is this allowed? Is is, is this a, what a real script looks like? It's like I don't know if I if if I actually wrote what a script is supposed to be like, but I but then when I get really quiet with myself and I listen to like this little voice inside me, I'm like, no, this is funny, this is special, this is for women. Like there are all these like, and I love Judd Apatow and I love that whole world, whatever. But there are so many like, and male comedic romps that exist that are like these crazy wacky romps that are like what that's ridiculous and kind of silly and how'd they come up with this and i really feel like it's so few and far between uh, a, a woman's perspective and a woman's crazy romp of being single and, and living her life so what i did and I'm, i'll throw it right back to you i promise but i like uh i wrote this modern romantic comedy that's like a wild silly funny romp but i really made sure 
to infuse consciousness in it. I wanted it to be thoughtful. I wanted it to be inspiring for other women. And I and I realized I was like, this is for women. You know what I mean? Like I, other times I would be like, I wonder if a man would like. And then I realized, fuck that way of thinking. This is for women, about women, about one girl's experience. But I know it will relate on a universal level because that's how everything I've ever done. I always find out that I'm, I'm not alone because people have validated like whether it's this podcast or my blog or videos I've made, whatever. They've all been like. The, the response I got has been really loving, and I want to do that now on the level of a, of a film. But there's this thing in me, and it's a female thing, and I don't like it. It's not my favorite thing. Of uh, just like, but they're allowed to be great. They're allowed to thrive. They're allowed to be un- unapologetic. And by there, I mean men. And I'm just so uncomfortable and un- uh, insecure. I've got, I, I'm so confident, but then I also am completely insecure at times too. It's like. And I'm so scared that I'm going to be the one who stands in my own way and doesn't really try my hardest to get it made or show it to people because I'll be too shy and scared and feel like I'm not allowed to. So I just feel like even telling you this right now, talking at at you essentially or like about this and other people listen. It's just like I wish women didn't have that. It's a female thing, the apologetic thing, the not feeling allowed to like what is that? And then I saw this amazing quote that I love and I even put in this thing that I wrote where it's like. This meme, a fucking meme I saw where it's like, I want, I want, I'm going to paraphrase it wrong, but it's like, I want to have the confidence of every mediocre white man or something. Exactly. You know, and it's like, God, to, to, like, in a way, I love men sometimes because I'm just like, God, they're just not bogged down by all this (laughs) self-inflicted fucking self-hate or or doubt and all this stuff. And they're just, they're just living their life. And it's like, pisses me the fuck off. (laughs) But also it's like, well... You know, it doesn't make them evil, but it's just like, and then I've got to rise to the occasion and all women do to like yeah. step up and do the scary shit because then that gives other girls permission. Not that we need yeah. permission, but it gives us examples to look at. So I so, so and you're, that's why you're here. Like throwing it back, like all coming together, it's a, you're an example. You know, so when girls hear this, so I don't know, you know, who knows how old they are, like 13, 12, whatever, teenagers, 20 something, 30 something, 40 something. They're like hearing your story and being like, wow, what a fucking badass. Maybe I could do that too or she did it. So and I want to be that too. And especially with this movie. So I'm like. I mean, I feel I'm really lucky because, okay, my mom's a badass. She is. I my bet. mom is like a bad Oh my badass. God. I mean, my mom was like friends with Malcolm X. Like that's kind of a badass, my mom. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy shit. But my mom, like my mom is really fierce and really, you know, um, and my dad is really strong, but in a very soft way. Like he's, he let us kind of run the house and I had two older sisters. So I was raised by these really alpha women. And when I was a little girl, I remember like someone would say, oh, she's so pretty. And my mom would turn to them and go, she's smart. Oh, yeah. And that was my childhood. Like my mom was just like, she would say to us, like, you're not just a pretty face. You're, don't talk that way. Don't like, you you know, stand up strong, like mm. be, you know, that was our mom. And then, you know, when I went to film school, I was like, all right, I know how this goes. I studied feminist film theory. I know how, how, you know, I know there's only 2% of the, you know, the, the cinematographer, the, is it, what is it? ASC? DP? What? The D- ASC? I don't what know. What's the union for cinema? Sorry, I'm blanking. We'll um, just call it the union for cinematography yeah. right now. <laughs> right. We'll put a pin in it. Um, I think it's ASC. Anyway. Yeah. Association ASC. of, yeah. Um, Anyway, my Aristotle will look that up. My point was, uh, I knew that there were only two percent women at the time, and so I was like, "All right, I'm going to pick the hardest thing on this set to specialize in in film school." And so I was like in cinematography class with 
it was you know I DP'd one of the um, I was the only female DP that semester of there's like these four projects that are called 480s and um, you know crew is assembled and four projects are chosen and 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 those are the only four projects for your class for that semester and so I was the only female DP that semester and what'd you shoot on um, we sh- shot on 16 millimeter yeah. and. So I was in class with all these guys and just me, and I had we had this 81-year-old really special professor, William Fraker, who passed away. Um, but he he was a, a legend in, in cinematography. He shot Rosemary's Baby. And, oh, my God. Yeah. And, Holy shit. But he would be like, God damn it. And they'd like curse, and then he'd be like, I'm sorry to me. And I was like. Oh, God, because you're the one woman. Yeah. Like, and I was like, <laughs> your ears don't worry about <laughs> it. I, I probably curse more than you do, but your whatever. gentle ears can't yeah, handle it. Yeah. I was just like, come on. Um, but, you know, things like that along the way that I think that if you, you know, pick the most technical aspect of it to dive into first that scares you because it gives you strength in this kind of stuff where, I mean, um, when – you know, I recently met this amazing artist, um, Madam Gandhi. Do you know about this musician? Um, oh, she's yes. a feminist and wait, is she a DJ also? Yeah, yeah. Because I I uh, hosted some benefit called the Catharsis Carnival, and yeah. she was one of the the people uh, yeah. on the lineup. Yeah, and she's so badass. Not only, I mean, she's super t- talented, and she's a feminist. She also ran the Boston Marathon and, and let her period bleed. Do you know about this? Oh, I heard about this. this that is was her. her. You had to read about it. Yeah. So oh she's, my god! No, I'm putting all together yeah, yeah she's a badass but like she went to harvard you know but what i love her name's kieran what i love about kieran is like she's super techie and super savvy about everything modern with tech and she's using that with like as an independent artist with her music with her activism like i see her integrating it all and i yeah. just think that's an example of a feminist who's like 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 the most technical overwhelming part of it sees like seize that, like tackle it, because I, I think that's where you gain the confidence where the other stuff that we're intuitively good at, whether, you know, like, I like that, you know, I like the art direction of this or yeah. no, she needs to wear that or whatever it is that like, and I don't, that sounds very stereotypical, but you know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah, we get it, yeah. Intuitively, like emotional intu- intuition, the things that women, you know, that stereotypically are are seen as being strong at, like, go pick the technical thing and yeah. push yourself. Because, yeah, you're in there. You're in there with teamsters or whatever, and you want to be able to hold your own. Yeah, it is cool. I know that sometimes when I throw myself into something that feels very uncomfortable, and I can wrap my brain around it. Like I've I've edited things that I've made just to, and I go, you know, learning about like color correction and learning about like whatever all these different aspects that I think are very daunting. When I can wrap, it's like when I can wrap my brain around it, I go, holy shit, okay, maybe I can do that. Oh, wow, I did something. I got. And yeah, it's such a confidence uh, booster, you know, elevator. All of a sudden you're like, oh, maybe I could do another thing. Now, listen, I'm going to take us on a whole other okay. side because I feel I, it. I I'm, I'm nearly going to burst into tears because <laughs> I'm watching you being this amazing person. And we're talking <laughs> about all this stuff and blah, 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 and like uh, traps that women fall, fall into, which is, you know, whatever. Um, so how the hell? Okay, does a badass like you, and I could throw this question to myself. I mean, uh, I don't mean to toot my own horn. Uh, horn. Okay, 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 anyway, but uh, like. You are a badass. I mean, yeah, great, too. You are. Okay, but I'm, um, like, how the hell does, like, a badass like you date? Like, because I imagine, because here's what I run into. I don't want to put you out like you're on a limb, right? Now. You're on, like, a ledge right now, and I'm, like, uh, making you, you just don't talk about anything you don't want to talk about, but just. 
because I know that even, even especially now I'm more vigilant than ever. I'm super sensitive. If I pick up on misogyny when I meet a guy or if I like, if they say one thing, because oh, yeah. I am noticing everything. Plus I'm in my thirties. Uh, my frontal lobe has only just formed. I feel like <laughs> totally. and I'm super vigilant. Like, because I used to be such a people pleaser going into meetings and totally. like comedy meetings with managers and agents <laughs> and all these people, producers, and they're making dick jokes and being all my, all these things. And people think they can get away with stuff with me because they, I talk about dating and love. So they think like, she's a slut. She can talk. You can talk about dicks and fucking. And it's like, no, that's actually not it. I something. Anyway, my point is. I get that. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. And it's like how they take this liberty with me. And it's just so fucked up because they can't see the nuances of something. Anyway, whatever. But uh, so what I run into, and I imagine you must run into, how do we date being, how do you date? How do you meet people who are on your level who are gentle and get you and are thoughtful and kind because you just must, must meet all these boneheads. I mean, good question. I mean, because <laughs> you, you thrive in your career and then you're in your dating world because it's like, listen, you know, love is such a huge part of our life. And you want to, I don't, yeah. do you want kids? You want to get married? You know, it's funny. Like, yeah, I mean, like, um, oh God. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to bring it back to that palm reader. Yeah. The palm reader. What did he say? That Indian palm reader. The Indian palm reader. I need him. Okay, I just just want to paint a picture. I'm just going to be really candid here. (laughs) I'm at the International Film Festival of India with my first film documentary, okay? They've flown me there. They've put me up in a five-star hotel on the beach of Goa. It is beautiful. I am looking at the ocean, and I start to cry. And I'm like, oh, my God. My dreams are coming true, but I want to be like, why am I not here with my like person? You want to share it with I somebody. I want to share it. It's beautiful like, to share it with someone. Like this part of me is like, I've been going, going, going and trying to be doing all these things. And this alpha part of me has been in, in total action. And this other part of me, like I'm very feminine too. Me too. And it's not, <laughs> and it's also, I used to think maybe it's weak to want to share it with somebody, but you know what? It's not, no, it's, it's not beautiful. weak. It's a wonderful thing. It's yeah. strong. I yeah. Mean, I think it's strong. So, yeah. so I'm sitting there crying, whatever. I'm like, okay. My life is imbalanced. <laughs> I've been going, 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 traveling to some of the, I mean, I didn't even go into the crazy places that I was traveling that year, but I mean like Somalia and oh, like shit. India, Somalia, Brazil, whatever, and stuff alone, like going to see John of God alone in the jungle. I mean, crazy things like the healer. Um, I don't even know what that's about. Let's put a pin oh my in God, that. Let's crazy. revisit that. Okay. I'll yeah. revisit that. Okay. Um, so anyway, I'm like, okay, okay. I'm a little imbalanced. I... I need to foster that other part of my life. Um, but I went, when I went to see the palm reader the next day, he was like, when he said the hobby thing, he also said, he started to laugh. And he's like, you're so charming and blah, blah, blah. You attracted attract all these men. He's like, um, it's really challenging for you because you're so cultured. You're so cultured that you're, you're going to be turned off by so many people who you yeah. don't feel like get it. And I'm like, yes. oh, man. Yes. But the thing is, Alexi, I'm not going to um, settle. No, I can't not be. I just can't not be me. And here's here was the down. So I came back and I like was really fostering my love, my love life. And I, I you know, I, I did did have a few beautiful relationships that weren't the right match, but beautiful for a while. And um, just that feminine side of me of just like, you know, but what I would find is I'd meet someone and I get I'm very like playful, like. As much as I'm sitting here talking about things like the LRA and Taliban and whatever, and, yeah, you know, um, I'm also like super pra- playful like a child. And I like get super excited. I get crazy crushes. I'm totally like you on this. Me like, too. 
No, I mean, I've been like this my whole life. Like, I'm a, I am a romantic. So I get like over the moon and so excited. And when I find my, my guy friends are like, oh, don't do that thing. And I'm like, what thing? What thing? <laughs> and they're like, because you meet someone and you get so flowery and on this side of you. And they're like, you're not showing them your whole full fear self. Oh, keep going. So for, for a few years there, I was like, for a few months it worked. It's like, and I'm not doing it on purpose, but I'd be like so excited and so like, like, oh yeah, I know. And and I, and I, there's a glammy side of me as much as like right now I'm like in my like, you know, ponytail and tie dye top. great. Yeah. But I mean, there is a glammy side of me that's like, I really like high heels and red lipstick. I really like, you know. I remember you in that monochromatic outfit all red. <laughs> Can we say where we were? Where were we? We were at a fancy Hollywood party in Tinseltown. Can I say? Or is that bad? That's fine. I don't care. We were at Eli Roth's house. It was very cool. I made out with Riza. You did. You did. I was there. I might bleep that later. Okay. I'm not. But go on. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, we were there. And I remember that was funny. I was being your wingman in general that night. That was so crazy. So Marilyn Manson was there. Whatever. We'll talk about it later. Eli. Eli's been a big supporter of it. So anyway, I... Yeah, so, you know, there is that side of me that's, like, I like to get, you know, very done up, whatever, but that's not the majority of me. Like, I care about the world and want to make art all the time and want to change things. And um, so what was happening, I was was realizing I was meeting guys and, like, I was was just out of excitement showing all of that stuff and not all the other stuff. So when it came to and they were, like, you wait you went where and did what and you were living you were it's too much they can't put it all together it's too much right it's confusing i could just see them feel emasculated by it and i was like shit i'm i gave off i attracted i didn't attract the right match because i was just giving off this you know the excited girly you know the part of me that's just like you know the romantic whatever and now so now i'm like hello first date <laughs> hello <laughs> i'm just like okay first first time i meet someone i'm just like so i have spent time doing this and this and this and this and i'm like like uh you know i, I, I was telling my friend my afghan friend aj and i were on a hike and i was like going on a date that night and i'm like um so i'm not even gonna go home to shower before the date i'm literally changing clothes in the car to like jeans and a t-shirt let's not get crazy and heels like no but i was like i'm like i'm per- i'm just meeting this person for dinner and i'm purposely not going all the way the other direction because i want them to understand that like i'm i'm i want them to like i don't want to i don't want to give the wrong first yeah. impression that i'm just this other thing and he was like i think that's great you know you're just being whatever well, why aren't you dating aj he sounds fantastic no, no, going he's on a hike friend. he he's sees friends but see he sees he's like you. my brother okay forget it isn't that a shame isn't that how it goes where it's like <laughs> no, the, yeah, i know it. i know i'm with but you, yeah. you know what i mean so yeah. it was just it was just this this realization that like look i've just been doing all this work that takes up so much space in my life like afghanistan is a huge energetic space and so you know it's about balance and um you know, but um, I'm of course so open to it, and and I'm open to the idea of children. I'm open to all of that, but I also am not like one of those people freaking out about it. And yeah, well, I'm also I'm talking <laughs> about, oh, I met this little, little lady at the at Trader Joe's the other day, and she was like eighty something, and she was all fit and like fitted jeans, and she had like red lipstick on, and she just looked like a smaller version of Dolly Parton. And I was talking to her and about everything. I went deep immediately, <laughs> and she's like, she's like, I do yoga and. I have lots of lovers, and she gave me all this love and dating oh advice. Oh, she had never had kids, and she said she was totally okay with it. And she said the trick is, like, you want to like the guy. You want to like the guy so much 
but you don't want to love them because the minute you love them, which I can't live by because I'm just like, I, I, well, maybe I will. I'll try this tactic. But uh, what was my point? So she was giving me all this. I'm getting too caffeinated now. But she was getting giving me all this advice. Oh, and we we're talking and we we're talking about how the goal isn't shouldn't be marriage because people will be like, do you want to get married? Do you want to get married? Which is the question I asked you. Yeah. But the real goal is when I think about it, yeah, okay, I'm open to marriage. If I meet somebody who's kind, that I'm uh, thoughtful, that I trust, who's funny and I respect and vice versa, like all the things. And it's just like, yeah, it's that feeling. I'm looking for that feeling where it's like a cubby hole. And I, I want to be laughing. I'm never laughing. I feel like. Yeah, it's laughing like, is good. Do you ever feel like you go on a date and you're like, I'm on the date now. And you're like doing all the date things. And maybe you're entertaining yourself because, you, <laughs> you know, you know what to say and what to do. And then you come home and you go, did I even have fun or did I just put on a whole performance for this person? Do you ever feel that way? Or I mean, yeah, maybe a little. I'm getting, I'm kind of in this, I turned a corner this year where are, I... Are I, you single? Right now, yeah. Okay, me too. I turned a corner this year where I, um, I kind of was like, okay, I want to get very real with myself <laughs> about like what I actually enjoy and what I don't. I want to do it in my art. I want to do it in my relationships. Like, I really want to get even more real with myself. Like, does this conversation, like, is this where what I feel like talking about? Is this who I feel like hanging out with? Is this where I want to go tonight? Like, oh, God, yeah. Because so much, I mean, it's what you were saying earlier about, like, appeasing, you know, like, this thing, right? Like, we make it okay. Like, oh, yeah, sure, no problem. Oh, totally, you know, but where you're like, I know, I don't. Oh, yeah. I, I don't s- really want to do that. Oh, that's, <laughs> so good. that's so good you're learning that because that's something I've been doing for a long time and yeah. it freaks people out when I'm like, no. No, thanks. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's great. I'm just going to say I'd rather be home. I'd rather be Insta-storying, like just talking to myself, you yeah. know. Anyway, which, by the way, is that's how I want somebody to meet me. I, I want if, if a guy can accept all my rants on Insta-stories, <laughs> yeah. that's me. Yeah, like totally. all that, and so I'm just like, yeah, just watch my answer. like. Anyway, go on. So you, no, you're, that's you're, great. I love that. That's yeah. exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, like not pretending like we're something we're not. That's yeah. it. Like I don't, um, I don't think I was knowingly doing that for yeah. a while, but I do think that like I noticed. I was like, oh, I, yeah, I get so playful and so it's like I get so soft that maybe I'm not, not being honest about my whole spectrum of. It's also of, of your beingness, of who you are. But yeah. The, but the interesting thing know. is – sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's yeah. it. Yeah. It's weird though because something that women do with men, I feel like I can meet a guy, really take in all the different in, in, intricacies that, that is him, see that he's multifaceted, multi-tiered, all of this stuff. Um, and like even if he's like a powerful jerk one moment, then he's like soft and – play. like I'm like, wow, look, it's so interesting. It's also great. Whereas I feel like men either, and I'm generalizing, either they don't have the ability to see all the different, the nuances of a woman, or they're just not even paying attention, or they're just like, (laughs) she was soft. She wore red that time, maybe. Or like, I don't know. It just seems like, and it seems like they don't, I don't know if I'm even making sense saying that. But, uh, I mean, maybe, yeah. I don't know. Men who've had like a single mom are a little more. Oh. Perceptive. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Are you on Raya? No, like I mean I sh- I don't know. I have all my friends pressuring me to like Really? Cuz like, they all they all do that stuff and I'm like I don't know. We'll see. Right now I'm like honestly like I've been going 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 and um like where would you meet people? Where like, this this year was so crazy so far just I I needed like some a me time to yeah. like process it and 
kind of just go like, what's next and like what, but, um, you know, I meet people. Yeah. I meet people. Well, that's the other thing. I mean, I, um, you know, I really, I need to be with the, I need to be with somebody who cares about the world the way I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It just would never work if they don't. So, um, so yeah, I mean, but I don't feel any kind of like, like I feel great and I've, I've dated like anyone I've, anyone I've dated or anyone I've, like, I feel like I've learned so much and, um, I'm cool with almost everyone that I, I don't, I don't know. I feel good. I'm like living my life. Yeah, you're living your life. That's that's actually the catchphrase of the show. (laughs) Living my life. Living our lives. (laughs) You know, and like, you know, we'll see. (laughs) Yesterday, one of my girlfriends was like, oh, I'm just really sad. I'm getting over my ex, but I'll be happy again when I like meet somebody new. And I was like, Uh send her a voice note. (laughs) I was like, "Uh, you who? It's me. I was like, I was like, I know you're not asking for advice. Nobody likes unsolicited advice, but it's totally possible to be so completely happy yeah. when you're on your own. And I am so happy. I've got no crush. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like having a crush. That's cool. I don't have one, though. And it's it's nice, too. But whatever. So happy being single and untethered. It's so nice to be, like, out with my girlfriends or just home and not being like, why isn't he texting? Or, like, looking at my phone waiting. Because it's like having someone living in your brain, kind of. Yeah. You just, like, bury a <clears throat> hole or whatever. And you seem so happy. You seem so solid. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is so funny. I'll throw this in here just for because I know you're just gonna. This is just so funny. Tell me. So one of my one of like the the very influential people in my life that like I, you know, one of my heroes is also kind of like a mentor in ways is Dr. Jane Goodall. And I met her. Oh my god! <laughs> no, no, this story's gonna. Oh, sorry. So it's really funny. <laughs> so I, I met her like right after nine eleven, and you know, just amazing, like how much she's influenced my life in so many deep ways. Um, but <laughs> a couple of years ago, I'd gone through a breakup, and she was in town. And it was her birthday, and I, I went to go visit her at this little party, and um, and she was like, "What's going on?" I'm like, "Oh, I kind of have a headache. Oh, I just went through a breakup," and she was like, "She's like, you know." You need to be with someone who's spiritual too. You know that, right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And she's like, you should go on one of those dating apps so that you can weed them out and say that you're like, you know, list the things you're interested in. And I died. I left and was like, oh my God, Dr. Jane Goodall just told me that I should go on a dating app. And here I am like, I don't want to go on a like, dating app. I'm just living my life. I'm like- living my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. It was like one of the best ones. It's just like, okay, all right. This is really funny. Oh my god! Really amazing moment. Oh my god! Is she, oh, is she single? Um. Well, she's you know. She's I mean, like I can't, I can't right answer now. that because I, I have know. no idea. But she had two different marriages. Um. Her first husband was the Nat Geo. It was a Nat Geo photographer who was documenting her in the very early years of her work. Yeah. And they had a child together and um. You know, in the in that's like when she became this icon through, like he was working for Nat Geo, and he's the one who put her out there in in the world with these photos that you see. See, that's a beautiful thing. I like. I, I want like a Cassavetes kind of relationship. I, I meet people like, oh God, what's his name? Oh God, Janixa Bravo. Do you know her? Bravo, uh, Bravo. No. Who does she date? Oh, he's a comedian. You know stuff. Not like Aristotle is exactly. Like he doesn't know all the stuff. Whatever. I never said you were an oracle, but I thought maybe you'd know the answer to this. What's the name of that guy? <laughs> Fuck it. Whatever. Anyway, I'm so that's that would be a beautiful thing to be like, be able to work with somebody creatively. Well, and, I don't know. How, <laughs> is that bad? I think at some point he was like, because she's so 
you know, she's just fierce and I don't know. And then her second husband actually passed away, but... Brett Gelman as well. I was thinking Brett Gelman and his wife worked together. Anyway, sorry, go on. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I'm honestly, Alexi, I, I believe in... I believe in fate. Yeah. Oh, so me too. I Everything's exactly as it needs to be. Yeah, just, I, mean, yeah. I believe in destiny. So I don't, I just, um, you know, I'm enjoying my life and yeah. doing my thing. I, mostly now I'm just like, okay, how do I, pro- I've seen so much crazy madness in the world for, for several years now. Like, how do I distill and process all of this information? What am I creating next? And like, how do I use my voice? Because I yeah. have like, you know, I've, I have this like, light that I can shine yes. right now in yes. the world when like there's so much misunderstanding about not only my culture but all these subjects that there's misunderstanding about like I've actually had like very intimate deep understanding of for a long time because of the work I've been doing and so yeah and the travels and so I'm just like sitting there in quiet time kind of going like processing right now like in my garden like meditating like sitting at home like I mean also going out and having fun but I'm like all right what am I what's you know what's being called because also like being an activist you can get called into like this meeting and that and this and that's great but like you have to ask yourself like the world is changing like we have global warming we have this crazy insane presidency we have like all this stuff and everyone it's like if everyone just does a little and and incorporates it in certain ways in their own authentic way we can completely shift it and it's like i don't know you have this palette like a fresh clean if you if you clear the slate it's like what do i like space and time like what do we put in here that like what's my authentic offering yeah you know yeah and i think to be in that place first of all and your work is your work in your work you do stuff you love it is yeah you love what you do i love what i do and i think that's such a powerful place to be in where you're so curious about life you have so much stuff to do you're on that path doing it that's how i i feel like you know what I'll see who intersects with my path and what comes naturally yeah. because I, it, yeah, the, the dream and the, it would be such a beautiful like blessing like thing to like meet somebody who naturally intersects with your yeah. path because then it's like, oh yeah, you get me and we're like men of the, it's like that, that's, you know, what I hope for. Not that I'm like, but, uh, even if you're, yeah, and it has to, otherwise it won't work. <laughs> I have, let, it, let it find you. I've been thinking a lot of, like with, with the path. Yeah, exactly. It just like, won't work. <laughs> I've been like thinking, you know, that, believing like the path of least resistance i don't want to go after anything and uh oh even when i did some insta story rant just talking to my leg and you like it's so cute it's so sweet thank you watch me I watch my, your insta stories you watch sometimes. my insta stories and I'll no, i'm this. kind of fascinated with your insta story i love them it's just me I, i've likened it to like i'm tom hanks and castaway and like oh, my phone great. is my my yeah, wilson and i'm just like hey wilson <laughs> What's going no, on? No, but I love to hear you go on your love rants. It's really great. But like one of the things I was, was watching it. your date. That was fun. Oh, my date? Oh, talking to that guy? That wasn't a date. That was just me talking to some rogue guy who was like, get away from me. Not really. There's a recent date you had on there. Oh. The guy with the crazy car. Oh, you know him? Do you know no, him? No, I don't know. I oh, just the Tesla driver. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was a really weird one because uh, I met with a woman. He messaged me on Instagram because I was talking about I wanted to meet... With, I wanted to know a compile list of like female producers oh, wow. and women in film. So he's like, I know the head of women in film and Amazing. meet this woman. So I end up getting set up. I met with this woman in Malibu and have a meeting with her. And then she was like, you've never met the guy who made this meeting happen. Have dinner with him tonight. You might meet your husband. So I was like, right, let's do it. So like, I was like, great, let's meet him. So like I ended up going on like a 
weird date, non-date, but I guess it was a date, and he picked me up and went to Pache. And oh, wow. He, and he drove a Tesla or whatever. But I really like Pache, yeah. I love Pache. It's so cozy <laughs> in that canyon. I used to work at the Canyon Country store when I was like a teenager. Oh, yeah. I love Pache. Um, oh, but when this rant that I was doing, just talking to my leg with the camera on my leg, ranting about like, oh, how it's, even though I'm a feminist, I'm not fucking I don't want to go after a guy because it's it's doing him a disservice and it lets a guy tap into his masculinity and me tap into my femininity because I'm already tapped into my masculinity and doing all the shit. But in traditional romantic relationships, I like the traditional gender roles. Sorry. Totally. Me too. And, me too. <laughs> and, and, it, and it's good for men because men yeah. are instinctually oh, – that's what I was saying, that they're hunters even yeah. though it's like 2017 and we haven't been hunting for a long time. I mean I hope not but whatever. Um, And – let them come for you because I feel like you know like the yeah. minute you fucking go after them people think I'm very ballsy but when I like a guy you know I like a guy when I get very quiet <laughs> demure and totally. don't go after him and like totally. wait because that's you give yourself the best chances and you agree with that shit at 100% love it I don't want ch- I don't chase and I'm never chasing and I don't I just don't enjoy that yeah it's, it's like I have to do all this stuff already in our career, in our <laughs> yeah. fucking crazy career. Life. Yeah. Like I need to come. It's like that part of my life. I need to be able to be like pursued taken care of and pursued. I can't I can't be like I need to be nurtured in that way. I can't be like out nurtured. Do yeah. you hear this man? Do you hear it? Badass powerhouse <laughs> women who are fucking making their career just like from nothing into something out of out of thin air, making these amazing careers. At the end of the day, they want to be nurtured. They want to be pursued. They want to feel like women. Listen to. Listen to. <laughs> heard. Doted on. Loved. You can be the man. We can be the women. I don't, I'm sure this is all politically incorrect and somebody's no, going to send me hate I, mail. No, I know. I know, but I, it's, it's the funny paradox. Because maybe. you are a feminist. Yeah. I I'm, everybody's, I mean, I'm a feminist. We're both fucking feminists. <laughs> but I'm going to throw it to an even more uncomfortable aspect of dating. The paying thing. What do you think? Because I have a whole long answer as to why the man should pay for at least the first date. But what are your thoughts on this? Because this is I uncomfortable mean, it, territory. It just, I mean, in in general, I just um, answer the goddamn question. Just kidding. <laughs> no, in general, I I just like I like alpha guys as much as I'm like alpha in my career. So then I I end up liking the guy that can that can provide because I'm also thinking about things. You, know, you also think about things like if you are going to have a family and this and that, like. You know, um, I'm sending you my script. It's everything we're talking about. It's every single thing we're talking about. Yeah, and and I'm not saying that like you know I'm I'm very independent and in, like everything I've cultivated, I've created, and I continue to do that, and I'm constantly working on everything. Um, yeah. But I do think that for men psychologically, I mean, any guy that I try, I always offer. Yeah, and every guy that I date that I offer is like, no, 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 I got this. Even the most artistic guys like that, you know, and so and so I'm like. But I'm also so like I'm very my I'm a very like giving person like I with friendships with everything and I'm trying to work on it a certain way because I feel like I end up getting um imbalanced. But I am I'm Nurturer. like yeah I'm like what do you need? Let me help you. Let me come help you with that. Let me cook for you. Let me this. Let me that. Let me you know you need this. She cooks. I do cook, but I'm like you know so. That's just like my natural state, but um, it throws off the balance sometimes. So mm-hmm. I'm in general in life, I'm trying to like pull back a little and receive and be like, all right, no, no, I don't need to have, and you don't need to cover all this. And part of that comes from when you're dealing with stuff like the, the work I've been doing where you're like documenting this other country that like needs so much. So you go into that, 
you know, you're like, okay, what do you need? I need to provide. I need to like make sure that this is okay. And this and what, how, who can I help? Yeah. And at the, and then a few months ago, I found myself with like really bad asthma that I've been like dealing with. And I'm like, oh my God, it's cause I'm depleted. Yeah. So now I'm like gardening, hanging out. <laughs> she wants to stop talking about gardening. Just no. <laughs> I'm serious. I, I mean, I'm obsessed it with beautiful. it. Yeah. I'm fucking obsessed with people it, People like golf and gardening. Those are like two things. Dude, that I need are like, it. You yeah. can't, I can't even tell you. Like, no, I don't even have a plant. <laughs> I don't have an animal or a plant except to have a cat that visits but me But everyone time. should have a garden anyway yeah. because that's the future. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Oh we my. all need to we grow our food. I'm we, telling you. Um, but, but I'm back to the thing where it's like you are the you are, a, you know, you're the goddess. You should be uh, yeah. nurtured oh, and, yeah. and let... Uh, yeah. And it is interesting because it's, it's important like important to have the balance. Yeah, because at the end of the day, and I, I, I have a whole spiel about this about like why a man should pay. Because I'll get in fights with men who will be like, "Oh, if you're a feminist and blah blah, and you want things equal." Blah, blah. And I'm like, you know what? It's already a man's fucking world. You guys want to r- rule the world, and yet that's that's it's not that ugh, I'm, I'm rambling and messing this up, but it's like it's not equal. Uh, we make the babies. At the end of the day, we're going to be held up for nine months without equal pay. It's just a gesture of being made feel safe in a way is what I'm trying to get to. It's yeah, like it's, it's like yeah. a, out of respect of trying to put your privates and our privates and we make the babies and we gave life, like whatever. And it's just like, I mean, I hope any of this makes sense. This is well, oh, horrible. And, and Alexi, I, I mean, you're also talking about the courting phase. At some point, the courting if phase. Yeah. yeah. Woo us, I mean, why don't once you? You're, once you're married and you're sharing oh, all of everything, you're sharing your assets, you're sharing your life, you're sharing your bodies, you're sharing your house. I mean, whatever. It doesn't yeah. matter at that point. And yeah. You're a career person, so that all becomes one anyway. Yeah. You're just, I think what you're talking like about. I'm lazy oaf. No, yeah. I think what you're talking about is the courting phase because yeah. you have experienced <laughs> that when you do try to step in and be that, it doesn't really work. It's off-putting. <laughs> yeah. Whether the guy knows it or not, it's off-putting. They really and they like might not it. even know. They don't, <laughs> they don't like, like it. it. Um, oh, oh. How do we ever meet, though? How do we actually meet? You and I, we yeah. met at a casting once, I think, a long time ago when I was acting primarily. Really? Yeah. Yes. And then we'd just see each other around at a lot of stuff. And then I'd run into you at like M Cafe and we'd have like a long conversation. And then we'd go, we went on a hike once or something or, yeah. yeah. I don't know. We've, we, then we then I'd run into you at a party. I don't know. It was just oh funny. God, like, was, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. We, uh, yeah. We, I remember running into you at M Cafe and we're both at different tables and then we like yeah. stayed at our own table so we moved over to one table and we'd like talk forever about like life and dating yeah. and love and what yeah. it all means and then uh, uh, we're gonna get you out of here but I also said, think I I, but it's also fa- look it's so important for me to also have people like you in my life and circle and everything because wacky goofs no because it's like at the heart, at the heart of it, we're both talking about all the same stuff and yeah. care about the same stuff. But it manifests the w- in what how you do it yeah. with your show and with your you know with all you know with starting with all the blog stuff you're doing and your show and your you know and your acting and your directing stuff. Like it's just a completely it's just a different way of it manifesting, which is very different. And it's refreshing for me to have reflections around me. That are like, like I, I, you know, we want that, right? I can't, I can't just be all around like political activists or yeah. like, you know, I, I'll go crazy. Like, yeah, I mean, we need like the spectrum because that's how things are cooler and like more, you know, more real. Like when yeah. we have that, so, and we, and then we can all like as a community, we can do so much more because we have different gifts and different ways of like 
No, that's what I was thinking about us being an M Cafe. And then I, I ran into it, the Eli Roth party. Yeah. And I got, I was like, I'm, I'm single. I got to go live my life. Things are going to be great. Be my wing person. Do I look okay? And you're like, you look great. You got this. And I'm, I'm like, I think, I don't know what happened, but it was the craziest night. Got so drunk. Made out with a rat. I remember seeing, I think, were you trying to help me find him or something? I don't even know. Oh, my God. There were so many interesting characters. It was, like, so wild. And I remember being like, who's that guy? He was on Californication. And then somebody else was like, "Uh, that's RZA. He's in the (laughs) Wu-Tang. And I'm like, no, but he was on Californication. They're like, you're an idiot. (laughs) Um, Man, that was a wild, crazy night. So funny. And then I wanted to go to Midnight Mass. Oh, yeah. This is, you guys, this is the cutest thing. Oh, yeah. So cute that we did this. And actually, this is in my script. Oh, my God. Do you mind if I send you the script? No, send it. It's only 90. Eight pages. You okay. get through it, and you'll. It's it's everything we're talking about. But like you know, whatever. Nobody likes to read a script. I'm making you. No, I, it's okay. I don't want to make you. But uh, so I really wanted to go to midnight mass, and it was like Christmas Eve, and I had just gotten home, and I was single, and I was uh, still awake, and then I just texted you, and I went, "Hey, I think I'm gonna." Oh, because I had tweeted it, and you responded, "Hey, if you end up going, let me know." And then on a whim. I ended up at home at like 10, 45, 11. And I went, I think I'm going to go. And here's the place. And you're like, cool, I'll meet you there. We rarely see each other, but you're so fucking open and such a whimsical, ethereal <laughs> badass that you're like, okay, I'll meet you there. So we both just separately met each other at midnight mass. And we're like, wait, what's this all about? This is crazy. Because like, I never go to church. I'm not religious. I'm, oh, well, I've got to talk about that in a second too. Uh, something you wrote about spirituality, but I'm not there yet. Okay. We will get you out of here momentarily. It's okay. Yeah. Um, But, uh. And then we're there, we're like, wow, this is so neat. People are singing, they're saying their stuff. Okay, well, let's get in the line. Everybody's like getting wine. That looks like everybody's going to get like, uh, you know, herpes one, the mouth herpes sharing the vi- That's what I said to you. You didn't say that, but I was like, I was like, no wonder. I was, I was like, no wonder everybody gets like oral herpes because everybody starts going to church at a young age sharing wine out of this chalice or whatever the fuck. And then, and I'd never done communion or whatever. Yeah. And then you and I were like, okay, let's get in line. They're handing out cookies or whatever. You know, like, they're handing out really delicious looking wafers, right? We both get in separate lines. We're like, we get to the front of the line. Like, you're over there. I'm over here. We both get to the front. And I have my exchange with the lady. And she's like, may I bless you, child? And I was like, please do. And then she blesses me. And I was like, I've never done this before. She's like, yo, you've never done this before? Okay, well, I just blessed you. And then I go, can I have a wafer now? And she was like, oh, no. No, no wafer for you. And I was like, no wafer. And she's like, no communion, no wafer. And I was like, well, that's bogus. And I walked away. And then I met up with you. And I was like, did you get a wafer? You're like, I didn't even get a wafer. Remember? Yeah. I couldn't believe it. Unbelievable. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> it was so fun that night. And then we took a bunch of selfies. And with that like, lady got really mad at us. That we took selfies? Yeah. Really? No, wait. Did Am I making that up? No, somebody did get she mad. She gave us a look or something. You know what I mean? We were great. We were outside. It was... We were outside. And oh, no, we're in inside. The, inside, but outside of the main. We're outside of the main thing, but everybody was like lighting candles. And then yeah. You, you and I light candles. And then there's like a picture of like Pope John the whatever. <laughs> and you and I were like, cheese. Oh, <laughs> but those are some good selfies. Yeah, I don't regret were, it. They were. No wonder why that one looked at me that way. But that was so fun because, like, yeah. that was just we such a fun, a, that giggly. That was such a great night. So, yeah, nights like that are, like, romantic. And I feel like yeah. I want to meet – I wish I could find a guy who was that fun and spontaneous. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying I want to date you, but, like, you're amazing. No but, uh, but like, I have these whimsical experiences as a single woman in the world and, like, on my own terms, having my thing. And then 
you're talking about how women, you know, we have a sh- you, you have a shine. Uh, you have a light that you like. You're, you're yeah. like a sh- bright shining light, and I believe I have that too. Yeah. And I meet men, and I feel like maybe you do too. And I call them shine stealers. Yeah. <laughs> and my mom goes, "You have to stay away from the shine stealers. They they flock to your I light." I hope you put shine stealers in I your did, script. Okay, good. <laughs> and I put this phrase in it too. You're gonna love this. Okay. My mom oh was my like, God. "My mom's like, you got to be careful of the shine stealers. They flock to your light, and then they try to put a lampshade over it. Yeah, because that's what they fucking do. That happens to me left and right. Where you're like get manipulated and gaslit, and you're like, wait, what did I do? Are you mad oh, at yeah. me? It's just cool. I thought you liked. The, I don't. Uh, so I know I'm. It may not even be conscious. That's, that's <laughs> the worst part. Sometimes I wonder what's worse: a conscious gaslighting manipulator, manipulator, misogynist guy, a conscious one, or an unconscious one. They're both horrible for different reasons because one doesn't know what's running him, and the other person does. No, I know. We got to stay away from them. I know. Yeah, yeah. I get that. I get that. But you said this amazing thing on your Insta stories about how. People when they say they're spiritual, that's like a. You remember you wrote yeah, this thing? Yeah, yeah. I said I, I, I it's kind like of the, laugh when I, I, I kind of, I'm very skeptical of people who say, who call something categorized as well. That's a spiritual such and such, or that spiritual this or spiritual that, because I feel like everything is spirit. So I feel like everything is spirit. Even even everything we see physically is like coming from spirit and like everything spiritual yeah. and and what makes me like i don't know the more that i um live that way and surrender to that it's like you know just realizing that everything everything is is so ephemeral and changing all the time and how much we're in a co-creation with spirit and like um yeah so yeah, it's all intertwined. I don't really separate <laughs> anything. And I think that that freaks people out a lot because people like categories and they like, you know, they like a category for what you're like. They like a category for your gender. They like a category for your style of art. They like a category for what, you you know, we like like, that, yeah. like all these categories. And, and they're, to me, so archaic. Yes. Yeah. It's like literally I'm like, am I living in, in the Stone Ages yeah. that you want to label everything? Like, can I just be this like thing that you don't know how to categorize? Thank you. Because I feel like <laughs> I go on so many dates and this is my experience with dates with a guy. I hope you like, shh, by the way, we're talking. Like, how dare you? These people are loud next door. I'm, I've had too much <laughs> caffeine. I'll go on dates with guys and and they'll like me, but they're, they need to figure me out. And they'll talk oh, yeah. and they'll try to tell me who I am and they'll be like, you're like this like podcasting girl. You're like you're like funny, but like, you oh, look God. like you like like talking about like sex, but like you're like and I'm like, wait a minute, how about how about I just be and yeah. then you be and then we'll all figure it out and it just will be happening. And then I, I end up thinking like, God, why are you such a dork? Just let me be. <laughs> Stop trying to tell me who I am because chances are you're either, you're either wrong or it just makes me feel like I'm constantly batting away projections yes like, like and i'm just like yeah. no, no no stop stop it's like a weird controlling like stifling thing where it's and it makes me think that people who do that i feel like not too generalized people but like yeah. it's like dorks it's just well, like don't yeah, just, just be it, cool it just, just feels so small it just yeah. doesn't feel and then you start to feel like i can't breathe yeah you're like i don't get to expand in this because You've put me in an assumption, a box or whatever, and yeah. now I where do I go? Like, this is boring by. 
and we're too busy talking <laughs> about what we're doing and who I am as opposed to just like being like, oh, yeah. Do you believe in an afterlife when you die or do you feel like you're just a soul yeah. in this spacesuit kind of vibe or what? Yeah, I definitely believe in an afterlife. Um, and I don't need to know what it is. I love the fact that I have no idea yeah. what it is. Yeah. God damn it. I love you. <laughs> I don't need to know. Yeah. Like, that's great. I know that there's an afterlife and I don't need to know anything about it. Yeah. I mean, I can read a lot of different spiritual texts and, like, relate to all of them in different ways. But, you know. You'll find out. Yeah. Whatever it is, it is we'll find we out. We can make this life whatever we want. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? yeah. let's make this life something very special and like divine yeah. we can yeah give me whatever we want i mean that that's another thing just like i don't know i'm just in this thing where i'm like i just want to like i'm just gonna do what feels right yeah and go with where it feels good that's it you know it sounds like really elementary but it's like do what feels right go where it feels good you know um but yeah yeah I don't need to agree with people spiritually and I don't even really need to know. Like, that's what I think is so wild right now. Like, why does everyone want to have the same belief? Yeah. Why do, why would you want that? It's like more about being right and being egos and being right and like, oh, you're wrong and I'm right and you're here and I'm there. And it's like. And so much fear. Like, yeah. Oh no. If if you and I don't believe the same thing. It's out of control. My whole reality collapses. Yeah. (laughs) It's like. What if it expands because we don't? <laughs> like, yeah. Why can't it just expand? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. We went on a fucking journey on this we one. We went on a journey. This Lexi. was great. What are you, where are you off to now? Are you picking well, a book to gardening? You're going home. I'm going home. I have a lot of work to you do. You do? What are you working on? Well, um, I am just starting to write. So I have like a few different ideas for stories, and they're, they've been like brewing, and I've been outlining them, and it, it's kind of brewing. So, and then I also just have like I finally got through like a heap of administration, administrative like work that I had to get done, and so I have just like you know a lot of creative work to do. Also, my cousin lives really close to here, and I was just realizing that as I parked, and I was like, I should see if she wants to meet up. Oh my god, I that's leave. great! I know, great family you member. Probably actually, my, my cousin um, Layla, she has. Have you ever heard of Hearts Challenger? Or Hearts Revolution, yes. the the crystal truck. Yeah, 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 that's my cousin. So she. Oh, is that her boyfriend that she does it with? Yeah, they're still together. Yeah, they have such a cool thing. They've been yeah, together they for a long cool time. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, great. Yeah. So and, yeah. So anyway, I was well, yeah. She has a really cool truck and stuff like that. But um, yeah. So I was thinking about yeah. I've got so many. I've got like kind of a big family. It's wild. It's rad. Is it a? Is it a narrative you're gonna do? Like a, or a my, documentary my, or is it like No, it's a, a narrative. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and there's exciting. a few different, I'm just like marinating in a couple of different options. And yeah, I feel all this pressure with what's happening in the world. That's how I feel too. I feel so much pressure to say the right thing. Oh. <laughs> I feel so much, not the right thing, but I'm like, say I feel, something. I feel so much pressure that whatever I create next, like I really want to like infuse with what is, what I can, what I can authentically say that, you know, is needed yeah. you know like i don't know my friend the other day who like makes more surreal work she's like why don't you just make a beautiful surreal thing like me you're <laughs> like get out of my way i've got oh, something yeah. to say i'm like i don't know maybe you're right <laughs> no do that no, after i'll do it after yeah this time in the world like because she's just she's like worried about my health she's like you just get some like i know i get intense i'm like but you know i, I also love it i mean i love to say i love to go deep so yeah 
So that's what I'm going to work on today. Oh, my God. Well, get out of here. Live, <laughs> live your life. And thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you, Alexi. Thank you. We did it. Yay! Yay! You guys should see this 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 studio that you have. It's like you're up above like a comic book. It's just like the most, I don't know, it's amazing. It's the cutest. If you want to see it, uh, check it out on my Insta stories. So at Alexi cute. Wasser. Where are you on uh, social media? Um, at Ariana Delawari. There you go, guys. Follow us. See you later. Bye. Bye. Now leaving Nerdist.com.